The dreaded word, depression, often associated with the word stuck. What is depression? What do we do about it? Why do we have to do anything about it? When I look at mental health labels, one of the first things I'm always going to look at is toxicity in the person, because our current culture, unless you're organic, both in household cleaning products and personal hygiene products, makeup, shampoo, deodorant, carpet cleaners, etc., as well as eating organic, you're exposed to, overexposed to what are called xenoestrogens, the chemicals in your plant fertilizers, carpet cleaners, uh, insecticides outside, makeup, oh, perfume's a big one. They all act as fake estrogen. One of the reasons women are having so many menstrual problems and menstruating earlier and earlier and menopause disorders are now in the psychiatric diagnostic and statistical manual, which is crazy. That's like saying going to the bathroom is a disorder. You have a dysfunction around going to the bathroom. But it's happening because society is over-estrogenated, over-hormonal. Boys are taking Viagra at 14. Men can't get erections from 40 or 35 on if they've grown up a little bit healthy. And nobody's questioning that. They're not saying, why is this happening? And the xenoestrogen effect also means way out of balance emotionally. That's the first thing I always look at. Clean up the body. Clean up product use in the house. And let's see if you're depressed, bipolar, Do all your allergies go away, which typically they do? Does your menstruation get better? Does your moodiness go away? Do you sleep better? Are your migraines gone? And on and on it goes. It can take quite a while to clean up. As some people say, well, you know, I can't do it all at once. I have all these products in my house. Well, that to me is like saying, I just found out that uh, my brother-in-law who's staying with us is a pedophile and I have children, but... uh, He needs to stay for a while because his clothes are here. Me personally, when I find out something's bad for me, I get rid of it. I don't care how much it's going to cost. I donate it somewhere else and I go and buy other products unless I'm really in the poor house. But usually folks that are saying this to me are very well off financially. They're at least middle class. So that's where I start. And uh, the second place I'm going to look at you're all going to hate me for this, though, is weight, because weight, huge amounts of weight, put a tremendous strain on the immune system, therefore the hormonal system, therefore neurotransmitters, and exercise is one of the strongest, best antidepressants on the planet. Sorry, it just is. It's better than CBD, better than anything. And yes, sometimes if you're already in a cycle of depression, there's no way you can exercise because you're too depressed to exercise or you're too heavy to exercise. So I understand that. Sometimes it's gone too far and you cannot exercise. 
And sometimes that option has to go out of the window. I get it. Moving past that, what if you are a go-getter? What if you have been hiding from trauma your whole life? What if you are addicted to drama because of your family culture? And then you find out that none of that is really you. That that's all old wounds, old programming. It doesn't work. It's not right. When life gets healthy and there's some peace and quiet, serenity, some room for joy, contemplation, creativity, there's no pressure, there's no deadline, there's nothing to get away from, that time can often be experienced as depression. If I was motivated to get out of bed every day to make money for the family or get out of debt or to see someone at work because I'm cheating on my spouse or to see people at work because they tell me I'm amazing and or I get to go to work and boss people around and that makes me feel powerful and all of those things smooth out it is like going from nuclear fusion to passive solar and it can be experienced as depression why do I get up in the morning I don't have anywhere to go I don't have anything to do. And yet, by the way, that you know, of course, this is everybody's dream. I can't wait till I'm retired. I don't have to get up. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and we also know the stories of the type A personalities who take their first vacation or retire and then die of a heart attack from the stress of not being other-focused, meaning focused externally. What do you do then if you hit this period that feels stuck or depressed and perhaps uh, it is only a time for you to synthesize. It's a time for your energy field to have breathing room to completely reorganize itself. But you're not sure if that's happening or that you maybe are really in a lot of trouble and you're really depressed. goes back to something I say a lot. Our old bad habits, we worked very hard to put them in place. We worked hard to create trauma and drama and stress and chaos. And we worked hard to scare ourselves into living. Oh my God, I've got to pay the rent. Oh my God, this has got to happen. Oh no, this is right around the corner. Uh Oh, this might be happening. We're just so used to doing it. Our nervous system is attuned to it. It feels like home. This is common knowledge in adultchildren.org, 12-step program for kids who grew up in dysfunctional families. Or maybe your family wasn't dysfunctional. Maybe you grew up in extreme poverty, in a ghetto, with crime, racism, etc. The point being is that your nervous system never experienced peace and quiet, room to breathe, ton of options like what should I do today (laughs) what's that Pia get it (laughs) she just discovered chasing ground squirrels well honestly it can get difficult 
If your nervous system is attuned to getting out of bed because of crisis or you have to take care of someone else, it is hard to get out of bed just because you want to and because the day is bright and your body feels good and you have in front of you a million options. I can paint, I can sit in the garden, I can read, I can write, I can learn something, read a hard book to read, take a course online, I can go to lunch with a friend. It can be, surprisingly enough, a shock to the nervous system. And if you get really stuck in this particular phase, you may even have to go on antidepressants for a while. That's how strong this transition can be sometimes. You may find yourself overeating, over drinking, over CBDing, <laughs> the new healthy way to drug yourself, and it's not really, we're not really calling it drugging ourselves. And yet, why is everybody taking CBD? Why do you need it? <laughs> Same thing with people fighting for weed to be legalized. Like, yeah, okay, I, I get it on the criminalization part, but why do you need to get high every day with something that you inhale or eat? Why aren't you getting high every day yourself with your own neurochemistry? So in the beginning of this, let's say, depression of abundance, <laughs> too much time on my hand, too much money, I don't have financial worries, etc. What do I do? The same thing, I guess, that I talk about in almost every situation. Try stuff. Experiment. Trial and error. But not in a gruesome way, like not forcing yourself to do it. Maybe forcing it a little bit, like finally going to the gym, even though you're scared and you feel fat and it hurts and you're not sure, etc. So instead of calling that forcing, let's call it a concerted effort. Maybe try sleeping to noon every day. See how that works. But as soon as you've gained 10 pounds, I'd say to you, time to reassess. <laughs> Don't wait till it's 60 pounds. That's a little too long. Try playing to music more often. Plug into headphones. Plug into motivational speakers. Listen to podcasts all day long. Start calling friends. Start making new friends. I've seen people do this. They're like, yeah, I called this person. We went to lunch. It was great. They never do it again. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> We're not talking about do one thing. We're talking about a lifestyle change. A lifestyle change from trauma, hardship, fast pace, obstacles, challenges, etc. To a lifestyle where we create our own challenges. We create healthy stress. And we create our activities instead of the activities creating us. So why do you do something? I see this often. People do some things that feel really good for them and they stop. 
but they'll continue to do the stuff that's really bad for them and they can't stop. I guess ultimately when you're facing that dilemma, we're looking at a very core issue. What is your commitment to your relationship with yourself? In other words, you can stay married, you can remain a good mother, but you cannot be your own best friend. And sometimes when you're in a marriage, in a partnership, you don't become a good partner until it blows up, until you screw it up. And that happens with the self also. Sometimes we have to blow up our life so bad. Come here, Pete. We have to blow up our life so bad that now we finally care enough to get back into or get into the first time a strong relationship with ourselves. Come on, Pia, come get some water. How do we how do we do that? Even under duress. I have to say, sadly. Good drinking. <laughs> I got her her own special bowl to drink out of, and of course she wants to drink out of my water bottle, not her dog dish, because she's a human. my drink also. So, the problem is, there's a ton of information out there. And the hard part is application. You can know everything. You can be brilliant and not do it. Holistic Psychologist has a little sheet. I forget the exact title of it, but it's something like Daily Promise. And it's a really good tool. Of course, you have to actually use it. <laughs> you have to print it out and you have to fill it out, which is today I'm going to do this one small thing for myself. And then you record, you know, how it felt if you did it and how it felt if you didn't do it and what you learned. And then you print out another sheet for the next day. Being able to look honestly at what we are and are not doing can be depressing. It can also be, though, a balancer. If we say, well, I'm sleeping in the noon every day, but nothing's falling apart. Not gaining weight, not getting divorced. My kids don't hate me, and I've never slept in till noon. Kind of like it. I remember I had a friend, uh, still have a friend, very energy sensitive, energy powerful, not a meditator, 
just, man, they don't belong to really anything. I had a couple of friends like this. They're just really hooked up to spirituality and energy and very much able to live in the present. They do a lot of the things that people read about or take workshops on. They just do it naturally. And one year, he was like a super workaholic person. And one year he said, I'm doing absolutely nothing. I'm making pots, which is like, what? (laughs) Not only making pots, but taking hair from animals that had passed away and um, burning it into the pot as a memoir for pet owners. Great idea found this special white clay that you can only get like one place in the United States and learn special firing techniques, all this stuff. This is, we're talking about a a man's man, you know, like a mechanic, a grease monkey, uh, who's currently working on nuclear power plants and repairing them. (laughs) So he's making pots and has a vegetable garden, which he's never had in his life. He drinks beer, tequila, and eats meat. So now he has a vegetable garden. <laughs> and he would watch YouTube like six hours a day, he said. He was just hooked on it. And I think it went on for about two years. And then it was just like, and he wasn't criticizing himself for it. It was just like, look what I'm doing. It's crazy. Wild. I've never done this before. And then it was over. He started working and went back to nuclear power plants, which he hadn't done in a couple decades. Traveling all over the world, which he'd never done before. So guy said he'd never text, never use a cell phone. He's now using Google Translate because he's in France and he has to get an Uber. <laughs> and I just cracked up. I thought, wow, this guy is total go with the flow. Here's what's happening now. No judgment about it. Just curiosity. Like, wow. Crazy. What I'm doing now. I've had a few other friends like that. And they don't seem to need a spiritual teacher or necessarily even to meditate a lot. They're always somehow connected to being intensely interested in what's going on in their life right now. And they always are people with a lot of integrity. Because of this innate connection, they have no ambition to steal from someone, to be powerful, to be recognized, to make more money than what they honestly earned. I mean, just, they are the embodiment of what a lot of spiritual people study and try to be. And I've often said this, people get mad when I say it. I think all the people who study with my teacher, study with my teacher because they need a teacher. They're special ed. Not special, special ed. Myself included. I needed a teacher. I couldn't do it on my own. But this little group of friends that I'm talking about, they don't need a teacher. They are already living it. They came in that way. They came in with a kind of bigger knowing. And I've used them as a lesson. A lesson of kind of let go, let God, or trust the process. And also to see what 
This is what go with the flow looks like. Another one of my friends, uh, she had been a policewoman. She bought the house she grew up in. Hated the police because they were so corrupt, so political. Became a dare teacher through the police force. A real pretty woman, you know, not like um, sometimes you have this picture of police women as, you know, kind of manly and not very balanced in her energy. You know, she had long blonde hair, she's pretty, she loved men, she loved sex, etc. And by the way, that isn't meant as an anti gay statement at all. I'm talking about just being out of balance, you know, too much yin, too much yang. Sometimes on the police force, men or women, you see too much yang energy completely out of balance. And it gets violent, and it's racist, and it's disturbing. So one day, she, well, she takes off from work and just decides it's wrong. It's no longer right for her, it's just wrong. She's been on the force like 15 years. And so she goes out on disability, and then a little while after that, she quits. And everybody's like, two more years and you get more retirement. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's not happening. What are you going to do? I don't know. Anyway, she sells her house that she grew up in, that she had bought from her mother, and buys a VW van, I believe it's a VW, and this is not the 60s or 70s. This was, you know, the 90s. <laughs> and she's going to put all my shit in, in a van. And um, I'll see what happens. And off she went. Within two months, she was pregnant. And she's like 40 years old. And she's now traveling around the country in her van. She's left the guy, traveled around the van. Still wanted to do her van trips to America. Came back in time to have the baby with him, got married, and announced that, uh, you know, God wants me to be the best mother I can be. That's my new job right now. Never a hitch in what should I do and what's next and am I doing the right thing and is this my life purpose and none of that. It was a surety in... This is what's coming up now. So, I mean, she was also on Homicide Squad in Venice Beach before D.A.R.E. And when D.A.R.E. wasn't running, she went back to Homicide. So she wasn't a parking meter police person. She went from knowing how to kick down doors, carrying a gun, throwing people down, arresting them, working with murderers, etc., to being a mom living outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> It was awesome. It was amazing. And there was, she was, she was never faking, like, I, I know what I'm doing, etc. She was just truly and utterly okay that her world did a complete 180 or maybe a 360 and then a 180. Hang on a second. Card time. Measure of self-policing. Oh, turn off. There we go. So... I have other examples of people like this, and it is, to me, the embodiment of, in the moment, not trying to evaluate, figure out, or judge what the next step is, but simply embracing it and seeing where it goes. And 
I mean, she's 40 years old, getting pregnant. She's never been a mom. She didn't have a doubt in her mind that was the next thing. My friend watching YouTube for two years was just like, Here, look what I'm doing. It's crazy, man. And now I'm done. <laughs> in their cases, they did not have to struggle to do something new. They lived that way. They had multiple careers, multiple different kinds of lives. I myself, I remember my stepfather saying to me when I was about 25, I think, he just looked at me one day, I had flown back to New York, and he said, you've had like six completely different lifetimes already. And I, I laughed. I didn't think he was that perceptive or even cared that much to notice. But I thought... I thought that was an astute observation. But for many people, having a different lifetime within a lifetime is terrifying. There's no trust in the self. There's no faith in spirit, even though they may be very religious people. There's a lot of defensiveness, a lot of ego. All of these are wounds. These are all the results of unhealed wounds. I would also say that we all have a different journey on what we're here to learn. So some people don't need to learn how to transition from one kind of life to another kind of life within a lifetime. Some people are here to have the same job for 40 years and the same marriage for 50 years and have a lot of grandkids. So please don't take this as a general, you need to know how to do this. But if you are wanting to be an awakened person on a spiritual path, you can still be married for 40 years or 60 years and you can still have the same job. However, internally, you are going to have to change lives, so to speak, in terms of your behavior towards yourself and your behavior towards others as you grow and learn and as your faith deepens. That will have to happen. So the externals, the ability to change the externals is not for everyone. Don't turn it into that, and that's not what those stories were meant to be about. They were meant to be about the attitude and the effortlessness that some people can embrace change as an adventure, including changes in their roles in life. And with changes of roles always comes a new set of emotional realities and behavioral realities. If you're in what you think is a depression and you can't get going, <clears throat> try to find an accountability partner. Get a personal trainer at the gym. Join a club of some kind, somewhere where you're expected to show up. Hire someone to be your accountability partner. One of the reasons people went to Weight Watchers in the old days is that there were in-person meetings and you could booster 
boost each other up emotionally and cheer each other on and, and you could find a diet partner you could call each other every day and a lot of the diet plans have that in fact if you go on a diet through a doctor's office very often I'll recommend that to somebody because you have a support system built in support systems nothing wrong with that Again, it's why I send people to 12-step meetings. You can always find people in 12-step meetings to connect with and support you in staying in bed till noon or trying to get to the gym one time. But before you call something a depression, maybe back off a little bit and see if it is depression or if it's a transition and it's going to take your nervous system a little bit of time to readjust to not functioning under pressure, but instead just functioning like a rose bush because it wants to. Give yourself time for these transitions. When I'm talking about these stories, one person say, is watching YouTube for two years. The woman, it was close to two years for her also in the van and traveling, getting pregnant, refusing to stay there and get married. She's like, nope, I'm on a trip. And by the end of the trip, if I want to still marry you, I'll come back and we'll get married and have a baby. Otherwise, I'll just have a baby, <laughs> which wasn't her plan originally, but that took close to two years. So give yourself a little bit of time. And in the meantime, <coughs> track, track stuff. Make sure that um, you're not getting massively fat. You're not getting blackout drunk. You're not losing your job, etc. Things like that are staying under control. See what happens. If you get scared, connect with someone. But don't immediately jump to calling it depression. Because a lot of times you've been living under an adrenaline rush for decades. And when that stops, it can feel very, very strange at first. Onward and upward. The challenge is to have fun, accept what's happening, and have an open mind as to what's coming next. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings. Thanks for listening.